Ah, standardized testing day. It's like the homecoming game for kids whose moms still pick out their clothes. Book report, take one. <laughs> hey, classmates, who's as starved for theme entertainment as I am? So much that you're willing to settle for a movie film that an off season Six Flags about a clown mascot pushed to the edge. Oh boy. <laughs> but Josh, oh, you no. hate clowns. Damn it, Peter Pepperoni, not now. I'm in the middle of my book report. Josh, you went to therapy specifically for calrophobia. That's a fear of clowns. That was years ago, Peter. I was a kid. I've outgrown it. So you're totally fine with their ghostly grease paint complexion? Yep. And their bulbous red noses jutting out like so many tumors? Totally. <laughs> The first smiles of lips smeared with a red so deep you must assume it's the blood of the innocent. <laughs> For those of you who can't see this, he really has a puppet right now on his hand. <laughs> Listen, Peter, it's been a rough year. I've been cooped up inside. They took away my Disneyland annual pass. I just miss theme parks. I miss the rides, the overpriced snacks, the oily creak of audio animatronics, the fake rocks. I miss fun. <laughs> That's pretty pathetic, kid. Oh, can it, Humphrey? <laughs> Besides, ain't the movie poster pretty misleading? I've met bozos twice as crazy on the battlefield as that Bruce Boyger. Okay, sure, I guess Neil... Bruce! Uh, right, thanks, Peter. I mean, Bruce Burger, the ex-accountant turned regional burger pizza chain clown mascot. He's less of the crazed, gun-toted maniac depicted on the poster and more of a nebbishy Ronald McDonald who sees ghosts and talks to wax statues. He's a tragic figure, like Pagliacci or Jesus. <laughs> I, I wouldn't go that far, Peter. The sausage is right, kid. Pepperoni! Neil Stickney just wanted to make people laugh. He quit his job to hawk burger pizza and bring some joy to the world. Then the mafia whacked the owner of the park to suck it dry. Good thing the ghost of Angus was there to guide him along the righteous path of murder to kill that corporate stooge clown they replaced him with. Whoa, hold it, Humphrey. Bruce endangered the lives of the many wacky teenagers working at the park. Oh, we spend a surprising amount of screen time with. This movie has more sketches than improv night at Rick's place. Damn it, both of you! Can't you let me have this little bit of theme park joy in my life? You make me want to puke! Well, you can't puke! You're a puppet! <laughs> Let's bite the big one and go to Funland! <laughs> Welcome to Funland. Here's comedy that's outrageous in every way. It's time to bring Funland to its knees. I, I don't think the boys and girls will like the one bit. I, I don't think the boys and girls will like the one bit if you blow him away. Then screw him. 
Thumbland, where a clown can get away with murder. New from Double Helix Films. Why did I choose this movie? <laughs> Damn, this is opening some wounds. <laughs> Who's in the car with me on our way to Funland? Jamie Kennedy? Heard a joke once. Man goes to the doctor. Says he's depressed. Says life seems harsh and cruel. Says he feels all alone in a threatening world where what lies ahead is vague and uncertain. Doctor says treatment is simple. Great clown. Bruce Berger is at Funland tonight. Go and see him. That should pick you up. Man bursts into tears. Says... But doctor, I am Bruce Berger. <laughs> Greg Hansen? Eat a big one! <laughs> Where's my discount ticket? Oh, here oh, no, so, sorry, here you go. Thank you. We're going to have fun. <laughs> Casey Regan? Isn't it rich <laughs> watching a man... Having a nervous breakdown, meat on his hand, dressed as a clown. <laughs> Did you expect this plot to include black minstrel show tunes abound and Don Corleone? Not much killer clown. Send more killer clowns. <laughs> wow. Gonna come right out, guys. This is better than Joker. This was better than Joker. Oh, I mean, it definitely exists in a similar sort of philosophical place, doesn't it? It does, yeah. We live in a society, you know? This, yeah, this is... <laughs> I was really geared myself up for like a murderous clown movie, and that ain't what we get. <laughs> <laughs> nope. It was nothing like what I expected from the trailer or the poster, but I'd be lying if I said I didn't enjoy what it was. I actually think that in some ways this movie, we'd be doing a disservice to this movie to just sort of like go beat by beat because yeah. It, yeah. the comedies work in a way where it's like, if we just kind of go into the minutia of the plot, I think we're, we're going to like miss the forest through the trees. Yeah. So just a quick once over, the story of the movie is Funland is opening for a new season. Our resident clown and main character, Bruce Berger, and his sidekick, Peter Pepperoni, which is a poorly ventriloquized dummy, <laughs> are the regional mascots for Funland. Everything seems to be going well until the owner, Angus Perry, mysteriously dies and a mob family buys fun land to change it and launder money through it and in so doing they replace bruce Berger with the national mascot for a, a large pizza chain and our little bruce Berger goes off the deep end and has to reveal the machinations of the mafia family and he thinks kill the mascot who's trying to take his role that's the plot. And that's the movie. And so within that, we've got a lot of jokes. Some offensive sketches that should have died on the vine aside. There's some legitimately hilarious jokes in this movie that like we had to pause because we were laughing so hard at a couple of points. Wait. Oh, wait. Have we found a movie that Casey didn't like? <gasps> 
no, what no, about I, your slut for semiotics? <laughs> I wouldn't say I didn't like it. I certainly didn't lol. There were no lols here. Oh, for come me, on. But... Over my dead body, cut to the dead body was found. Uh, is gold. Okay. Sure, sure, That's sure. gold. <laughs> Angus stands up in front of the whole park. At the like... employee, like, welcome ceremony. Because the day that they take this park away from me, it will be over my dead body. Yeah. <laughs> then they immediately cut to a news report. Dissolve. 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 <laughs> yeah, sorry, no. Freeze frame dissolve to the body. That of Angus Perry. And it's like, that's a legitimately good joke. Sure. The story about this man having, like, experiencing dissociative, like, personality disorder. He has made his entire life this, like, small clown job. He's not even the national Ronald McDonald. He's, like, a birthday party Ronald McDonald. And his entire ego is tied up in that is awesome. So much so that he's turned his back on his actual personality. He doesn't want to be Neil anymore. He wants to be the Bruce Berger. Like, that is tragically hilarious. I guess I, I couldn't get over my expectations. It was much more Kentucky Fried movie than yes. Texas Chainsaw yes. Massacre, you know? <laughs> it's way more sketches and random asides. I think I would have liked it more if it was a little less scatterbrained and actually, like, followed up on some of the B-plots and C-plots and D-plots and E-plots and F-plots and G-plots if it had given us any more of those characters. But it's not that movie. Oh, yeah, I zoned out on, like, half of the Z-plots. Sometimes a joke would come back and we'd be like, wait, who is that person? <laughs> the photographer, no idea. If anyone can give me his arc, that would be really helpful. And like the girl that he's dating who wants to date him or doesn't date him, unclear. Are you talking about our lead, Doug Sutterfield? <laughs> and his girlfriend, Denise Wilson? Yes. <laughs> there was a minute where when we switched over and we started seeing Doug, you know, about 30 minutes in, I was convinced that he was our main character. Yeah. That we were going to start to leave the world of Bruce and Doug would be the foil, which is completely not what happens. It's like the Hotel California, Greg. You can check out anytime you want, but you can never leave the world of Bruce. <laughs> but this is more like Knott's Berry Farm, California. <laughs> the Knott's Berry Hotel. Yeah, you cannot leave. <laughs> Is he suffering from a disassociative episode? Because a lot of this movie makes the argument that ghosts are real and we should listen to them. He was haunted by Angus. Truly, I think the only person who's really lost his mind in this movie is poor Mike. That oh, guy poor Mike. <laughs> is put through the ringer. He is the one that's pushed to the edge. Yeah, he's the tragic figure. Truly. He's the one that's Jokerified. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the sort of fractured nature of the plot makes sense when you realize that it was originally written by Bonnie and Terry Turner, mm -hmm. who came up from sketch comedy and ultimately would go on to write that 70s show and Wayne's World and... Third Rock from the Sun. Yeah, Third Rock from the Sun, which as you start to see Jan Hooks in everything and you realize, oh, yep. they're all Terry and Bonnie Turner things. <laughs> yeah, that made a lot of sense to me because I did relate a lot of this movie to Airplane while I was watching it, but it didn't feel like a completely apt comparison, I'd say. But once I learned where the screenwriting married duo went, it all made a lot more sense. Some of it lands, some of it doesn't. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's why you need a writer's room sometimes. They let a lot of this stuff get onto the screen that would usually be, I think, like the 10 to 1 sketch on SNL. Like, maybe <laughs> lose that one. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of a, like, throw all the pizza burger at the wall and see what sticks mentality. <laughs> I'm curious, more than anything in the movie, Josh, someone with cholerophobia. 
How did you get through it? What was the? What was <laughs> your? Oh, can yeah, Josh, explain uh, how your therapist wanted you to. Yeah, get Yeah, did you it. seek oh. professional advice before watching? Funnel? Well, <laughs> no, I did go to actually to see a therapist when I was a kid because I was fucking terrified of clowns, and he had an interesting take on how to get rid of that fear. I walked into the office, and the office was empty. The door closed behind me. <laughs> I turned around, oh, no. and he was oh, no. wearing a clown mask. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) And I was rid of my fear pretty goddamn quick after that. Nothing's going to be scarier than that moment when you saw your life pass before your eyes that this clown man was going to murder you. (laughs) That my parents had taken me to. This safe place. I mean, to be fair, he was $200 an hour. He better scare the shit out of you. Otherwise, he's not worth that hourly. I was so hoping you were going to say that after scaring the daylights out of you, then the therapist was like, okay, so now you should go see a therapist about your fear of therapists. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, he just pulled off the mask, wrote down some notes, sat down, and then we started. Wow. That is wild. That is so crazy. The 90s on Long Island, the wild fucking West. (laughs) I've heard about immersive therapy, but that is wild. That's like going to a therapist to get over like a fear of intimacy and then being like, we should get married. (laughs) I have a fear of spiders. Great. I'm gonna dump a bunch of spiders on without you when letting you, you know that it's happening. That's yeah. the thing. It's hey, I signed you up for Fear Factor. It starts in ten minutes. <laughs> and Joe Rogan is waiting. <laughs> Even this movie, when you see Bruce Berger, does a creeping chill come up your spine? Yes, like, what it's happens? haunting, especially like the beginning when he's so dedicated to the Bruce Berger bit. A little less so as it goes on, and his psyche breaks, and you see more of the Neil persona, but. At the beginning, when he's, like, trying to, like, entertain the teenagers who are just sitting there and failing miserably to do so, I was like, yeah, no, this is why I fucking hate clowns. Look at this. Mm. Look at this asshole. He's terrible. I do not have a fear of clowns. Like, I understand fear of scary clowns. That's the point of scary clowns is they are scary clowns. that's the thing. All clowns clowns are scary. scary. (laughs) Like, look at Ronald McDonald and tell me he is not a monster. I mean, he hangs out with monsters. He hangs out with literal monsters. Grimace. They're not scary to me. They're like sad. And that's what this movie is about. It's a sad story of a sad actual clown whose life is sad. I guess I never saw a monster. I I always saw just middle-aged people whose life didn't go the way they wanted. (laughs) Wow. Wow. You must have been fun to go to Barnum and Bailey with. (laughs) At least I wasn't crying and pissing my pants, Josh. <laughs> hey, that only yeah. happened once. I kind of, guys, I'm sorry. I'm just feeling so bummed out by this one. Wow. I can't even I, explain why. We found why. one to bring. I mean, I didn't I'm think it was shocked. possible. Yeah. I'm shocked. I'm For our shocked. school-themed podcast, this one felt like more homework than any of the other ones. <laughs> I mean, it is true, though, that watching a comedy that doesn't work for you Mm. is the most excruciating experience. Mm -hmm. Something else that doesn't work is at least fun. Comedy that doesn't work to your taste is a slog. I actually quite enjoyed this. I also love black comedies. I love this style. I I don't think that this worked quite as well as something like Eat the Rich. I did like it. I I had a lot of fun with this. And despite the fact that it took us so long to get to Chekhov's clock tower, (laughs) I actually think... Thank you. I really think that that poster design does the movie a great disservice because yeah. Yeah. sometimes 
your expectations can get such the better of you that it really just ruins the movie. All right, because the poster looks like they just took the poster from the taking of Pelham 133 <laughs> yeah. and put clown makeup on it. Like, the poster looks so fucking rad. It's not quite what you get. You love that this movie starts with an original song. I love movies with original songs. I'm going to even back us before that because ooh, ooh. on the tape that I have the old Vestron video cassette release, the movie starts with a 1-900 astrology number that you would what? call to quote, get the secrets that rich people use <laughs> and you can utilize them too. Call me. Let's be partners and I'll help you make money Money, love, and success part of your life. Call 1-900-22-MY-DAY. Today and every day. Which is like the most <laughs> carny trickster advertisement I think you could have put before a movie about carny tricksters. Amazing. <laughs> and then the music starts up and the credits, which fly by. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, we don't have time for this. We have to start the movie. We have this original song. We have to play two minutes of it so that you get the complete wrong idea of what you're getting into, and then we can actually start the movie. That's my ideal. Like, we're not wasting time with title cards. We're not wasting time with, we don't know who these people are. I don't need to know any of their names. And this song is a bang. Yeah, and this song is a banger. That's my dream. And get right into the good. action. I love this. <laughs> there are no stars. I do love where the director decided to put their title card because <laughs> that is something that always fascinates me is like, where yep. where do you decide you're going to place that? And he places it right after we cut from the credits to Bruce Berger, the regional mascot for the pizza burger chain, which is what the hell's a pizza burger? I mean, it's exactly what it it's is. Exactly what it's it sounds a pizza like. burger. I but, mean, wait, it, you've never had a pizza burger? Wait, is this actually is real? Had, is this Sorry, thing? is this I don't know if they're referencing what I would be referencing, but in the diner world, a pizza burger is a hamburger with mozzarella cheese doused in marinara sauce. And it is really fucking awesome. It's super good. In this universe, a pizza burger seems to be a cheeseburger in between two pizza <laughs> crusts that have a mozzarella additive put on them. And, and then pepperoni paste pepperoni. that you use oh. as stencil like spray painted on. on glob dots is the uh, scientific term <laughs> and honestly a burger between pizza crust buns I'm, I'm not mad at it i'm surprised we don't have that right now that sounds great we're talking kentucky fried movie like this is a kentucky fried chicken dream <laughs> yeah. of a product right here the worst part of it is not the pizza burger it's the horrifying clown mascot bruce burger hi boys and girls i'm bruce burger and i'm peter pepperoni his pizza pal and this week it's sneak preview at Funland, and that means a dollar on every ticket goes to a very worthy cause. Isn't that so, Timmy? Cut. Bruce, try not to be so rough on Timmy. Timmy's the poster child, remember? Oh, sorry, Timmy. He's not contagious or anything, is he? The opening credits make it seem like we're going into an 80s, like, haunted ween-style yes. movie. And then we immediately cut to a scene out of, like, the Fire Sign Theater. Bruce Berger is trying to do a spot with a kid in a wheelchair who is, like, not having any <laughs> of his garbage. And then we immediately cut to Jan Hooks in a horrible wig. Yes. And, and I was like, oh, 
that's the movie that we are in. <laughs> Likely you've seen the poster art of a deranged clown sporting a hunting rifle. And it says the tagline, which is the best tagline ever written yes. for any movie ever. Welcome to the abusement park. Yes. <laughs> which rules so hard. And my cut box tape of this has a sticker on it that says, Horror! What? No! It says horror on the box. And you turn over the box and you read the back and it says in the f opening sentence, action comedy, <laughs> which is at least closer. Not an action That's movie a, either. No. No. It's not an action movie. They're one for two on that. They're one for two. <laughs> right. They're, yeah, they're halfway there. As soon as you can sort of get over the tonal whiplash of thinking you know where you're going, that first two minutes, clearly they're like, we've got to promise them something, anything. <laughs> Just promise them anything. And we settle into that that moment with Jan Hooks, and I'm like, oh, this is why this movie never made it past VHS. <laughs> like Future Kill. Yes. They were like, we got this. This works. And they were like, we have a movie to go with that. They're like, don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't work. What a punchline, though, because, like, clowns are all about subverting expectations, you know? Like, bring out the little trampoline to catch people from burning buildings, and they don't catch them, or they're <laughs> running around with a cake, and they're not going to deliver that cake. They fall into it. So, like, it makes sense that the punchline of this clown antics is he's going to murder everyone, and then he ends up only murdering one guy in self-defense. <laughs> right. Who deserved it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is okay in movie. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Casey, you look quizzical. Everything you guys said, I agree with. I do see why this movie subverts expectations, and I do see all the things that normally I would look for in a movie and really enjoy, but I left this movie feeling, I don't know, misused. <laughs> feeling. You were Jared let down? <laughs> I'll be here all day. <laughs> until, until National Greg shows up. <laughs> I don't know. I'm 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 really at a bit of a loss. I think this movie was if it was too real for me. <laughs> I think the problem was all due respect to Squiggy, David Lander. I felt let down by his level of mental dissolve. So you were looking more for that Joaquin Phoenix troubled Oscar winning performance. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm looking for. You were disappointed in the performances in Funland, <laughs> directed by the guy who did Sleepaway Camp 2 and 3. <laughs> were you not amusement park? <laughs> I don't know. Casey, were you not high enough or were you too high? <laughs> well, I honestly watched this movie like four times and I don't remember a lot of it. That's my problem. <laughs> I wasn't high. I, I just have, I, I've retained none of it. At first, I wasn't sure that Bruce was supposed to be our main character. I wasn't sure if he was supposed to be a hero. Uh, throughout the movie, you kind of learned that he's an anti-hero. And then there was like a moment in the cafeteria where I was like, he is definitely the villain. Mm. Mm -hmm. And it has to do with the moment where he's asking for a burger and he <laughs> yes. sees two men who seemingly in his subconscious have a breakdance routine. And that sets him off. What's good today? Look at here. We got fresh hot burgers with apple pie. It's funk, it's funk, with all beef chunks. Coffee with donuts, you can't slam dunk. We can't get loud with a hot fresh fry, and you can't be late without a shake. Ah! I hate hot way 
And that's when I sort of realized in the context of the movie, Bruce Berger is a conservative. Yes. And this is like yes. his pizza gate. And I mean that in the most literal sense. He's a dude who's so white, he's in white face the entire movie. <laughs> yeah. Who works at like the all-American pastime, which is a theme park, who used to be an accountant, mm-hmm. who when seeing the sight of black men with autonomy loses his mind, whose best friend is an entrepreneur who idolizes Humphrey Bogart, whose entire diet consists of burgers, mac and cheese, (laughs) French fries. And orange drink. Oh, yeah. Orange drink. Like, he hates change. All of the sort of perceived changes that are going to be made to the park are horrible. And he hates immigrants in the form of our Italian mob family. (laughs) They're just trying to get by. The American family is in crisis right now. And what was in 1987. Well, I'll take it one step further because I very much agree with this plot, but much like Pizzagate also, the problems at the root of the conspiracy are actually real. In this case, yeah, the amusement park is being sent into the ground via a mobster family using it for money laundering and putting a tit show in it and everything. (laughs) But the reality is not actually what he focuses on and what he chooses to get outraged by. He creates an entirely different conspiracy on top of the actual crimes and focuses everything on that and that's why he's trying to shoot the real Bruce Berger for the entire movie and ultimately when he starts shooting later the only things that he hits is the watermelon stand yeah, yep. is the like Ooh. one stand in for black people that exists in the movie albeit in a racist cutaway joke <laughs> oh god but the Jesus. only thing that he shoots is that and the ride mm-hmm. oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah and an immigrant man I'm just saying violence against Italians I don't like it (laughs) I was with Greg I found this movie to have a very accurate and loving portrayal of Italian Americans in it (laughs) I'm I'm sorry I I don't have the words at the moment but I really can't put my finger on what was so disappointing about this maybe it had something to do with pepperoni guy (laughs) Peter Pepperoni oh but Peter Pepperoni I'm gonna give full credit to the art department because the design of Peter Pepperoni is objectively funny I don't know if it's his like mustache or his slightly (laughs) angry eyebrows or just how they puppeteered he was so funny to me (laughs) and he's got some choice lines yeah who are you Bruce Bruce, I don't believe we've been properly introduced. Chad, you know Peter Pepperoni, don't you? Put that stupid puppet away or I'll use it to blow my nose. Tell him to shove a pole up his ass and we'll use him to mop the floor. Another piece of comedy that really worked for me was that after Angus was killed at his funeral, Bruce does the eulogy and he does it in black clown wig and mourning clown face makeup. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. Dressed as the wrestler Sting yeah. in WCW days. And he uses the funeral as just an opportunity to roast everyone else involved with the theme park besides Angus. I do like that it is being played like Nathan Lane doing Birdcage on 42nd. Our beloved father of Funland has bought himself a season ticket on God's roller coaster. He was the father of our family. And like all families, I guess we had our differences. I remember Mr. Hurley leaving Angus's office one afternoon, shouting at me, 
That incompetent son of a bitch is too old to run an amusement park. Why doesn't he just die? Well, he has. And now, let's bow our heads. Dear God, why did you take our Angus when you could have had any one of these people? Amen. Bruce Berger is one of the sassier characters that yeah. we've covered so far on the podcast, and I did like it. Anytime somebody can just fire off quippy stuff, that's always going to get me, especially if it's not too derogatory. Yes. <laughs> I also like that he was a piece of shit. <laughs> this movie wasn't trying to say that, like... He's the only good one amongst the crowd. Right, this very sweet man kind of lost it. Nope, all clowns are terrible. Thank you, movie. No, he opens the movie with asking if the kid in the wheelchair is contagious <laughs> yeah. he's not a good guy which is actually like that's at odds with later in the movie when he's so dedicated to like i'm gonna spend the day with the child who wins the contest but the thing i think he thinks higher of himself than he is but he's selfish i don't yeah. think he's really doing any of this for the love of kids i think he's fallen into this character but at the end of the day the character lets him have a list of demands with bigger dressing rooms and that's why he's doing it he loves the job i don't think he actually stands for what like in the way that angus did what Funland stands for i, I guess like peter is really the embodiment of neil slash bruce's desire and what he really wants peter his... is his conscience reminder peter pepperoni peter i'm pepperoni. talking about the puppet that he carries around is his conscience yes this is jiminy cricket yeah like, well it is it's his id yes yes oh yeah. there we go okay yes i mean in the way that ventriloquist dummies that it's the performer speaking through something else that you're getting the ego versus the id conversation and what's kind of great about Bruce's version of Peter Pepperoni is that he makes no attempt to actually no. be good at being a ventriloquist, <laughs> just moves his mouth yeah. and no one questions it which is strange that like nobody's like have you tried taking a ventriloquist class? <laughs> I think the only one is Chad, the Shakespearean actor who's the national oh, Bruce yeah. who comes in to like take his place. I'd like to discuss Chad. Chad spends the entire movie lamenting that this is his role in life. But I would had a hard time figuring out how long he's had this role because I'm like, <laughs> he can't actually be good at it if he's complaining this much. How did he become the nationally recognized Bruce? Burger. He does talk about how he's made more money in like one week doing Bruce Burger than he has ever doing Shakespeare. I want to play Hamlet, not a hamburger. <laughs> The way I sort of read it was National Bruce Berger was the guy who would do commercials. He, he didn't do personal appearances. Okay, he yeah. would be filmed, so he didn't have to interact with very much. He'd go in, he'd do a half a day. Oh, that's how you make money, yeah. <laughs> Nationally syndicated? Right, and, that, and I think that like that disconnect where it's like, oh, he actually has to go out and interact with the public. He actually has to go and hang out with kids. He has to be the character for more than the paycheck. Okay. I love the runner of him saying how he would rather die than spend a day with a child over and over and over again. I was again. bummed that he didn't get killed because of that. I, I love a good setup punchline one too. The the Angus 
saying, over my dead body will I ever sell this, dissolve to his dead body, and his widow immediately sells. (laughs) (laughs) She's made that decision in the three days that it takes to get to funeral. (laughs) I love that moment where Angus's widow is at the funeral and talking to the friend. She's like, oh, also, I I sold the park. Sorry, bye. I love that (laughs) Neil has a whole aside explaining the, what was it, a leverage buy-in? Yeah. Yeah, leverage yeah. by. She not only sold the park, she sold. She's an idiot. That's the main <laughs> joke. She got the main joke is she's, by the yeah. charm of tomorrow. Really, uh, the, her biggest flaw, I think in this is a she's a woman that's the biggest yeah. flaw according to this movie she's, she's oh she got confused sweet baby sweet baby it is funny though to have a husband and wife writing team and then write a movie where there is no powerful female character yeah. <laughs> hey there's one powerful female character and her name is darlene dorkner <laughs> My name is Darlene Dorgner. Uh, I'm a graduate of State University. I also attended the David Lee Roth University where I studied rear projection. I type 300 words a minute. I can create my own software and I hope to promote world peace through the use of electronic office equipment or superior firepower, whichever comes first. (laughs) And she ends up being a security guard. Let's say I'm the kid breaking in. Darlene? How would you handle it? Please, Maggot Brainer, your balls are history. How's that? Her scenes throughout the movie, you could cut together into its own story and would actually make sense and be complete. Yep. Well, and that movie was remade recently as Tammy. Thank you. I was going to say, I'm like, this is the precursor to Melissa McCarthy and is played by one of our screenwriters, Bonnie Turner. I like Darlene. Yes. (laughs) She's one of the most interesting. Every time she came back, my heart swelled a little bit. I was like, oh, thank God. The stuff with Doug and Denise. Don't care. Yeah. This this stuff with a radio DJ trying to break the record for how many times you ride a roller coaster did not did not care. Yeah, Murph the Surf could have been cut. (laughs) I I appreciated trying to create a movie with like all of these stocks that were very prevalent in these types of movies in 1987. Like Murph the Surf is obviously trying to be fucking. Oh God, what's his name? I can't help you. I can't help you. I can't help you. No, Fast Times. Spicoli? Spicoli. Okay. I, I can't help yeah, you. Oh, my God. Yeah, No, you got it. Yeah. Yeah. Murphy the Surf is trying to be Sean Penn. Bruce Mailer, who plays Mike, is from Police Academy. There's like all of these sort of slapstick signposts. Yeah, that they're like reusing. I think they were trying a little too hard to be timely. I think they were trying a little mm. too hard. Because in, in the way that like the um, reporter for WSUX, which I love it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, that. Yeah. That, was, that, sure. was, that was good. Sure. The reporter's name was Jenna McMartin, which is an interesting reference because that was the year that the McMartin preschool trials started. Whoa. Oh, interesting. Oh, which wow. was like okay. imbued mm-hmm. by heavy media coverage, like a very of the moment sort of reference in a way that like they were clearly trying to do a lot of these of the moment references that I I, I like I appreciate in a moment where it's like you have two screenwriters who are like working on their first feature trying to be cutting edge comedy seemingly, but also like completely dates the movie in a in a in a way that like I also appreciate in a completely different way. 
Yeah. Yeah, I think you're totally right. If it wasn't so dated and if it kind of stood on its own more and focused on character-driven comedy, it may survive better than it does now. <laughs> the stuff of this movie that is the best parts for me are the, the more sort of audience subversion stuff, whereas the comedy is like weak as shit. Disagree. Disagree. The watermelon stand. I mean, I'm not. Like, oh, oh, sorry. Don't put me on the side that. where I'm defending that because I'm not. Uh, <laughs> There's nobody defending the watermelon stand. So we have to say what the watermelon sketch is, mostly because I don't want people to have to watch this. Yeah. But at one point, Chip, who's just like an uptight young manager in the amusement park. Forgot about him. <laughs> he's teaching a group of black men how to run the watermelon stand. And they're all dressed in like straw hats, bandanas, and overalls. Ugh. And he says, are any of you good with a knife? And they're like, oh, let me at them like, ah. I'm so mad at the obvious racism of this thing. And that's that's the joke. The joke. Is it? is it just to say that this corporate entity, this fun land, is not quite as fun a land as you would assume that it, or is it shenanigans? Or are we just doing shenanigans? Yes, we're just doing shenanigans. Yeah, it definitely seems like shtick because it's nestled into a getting the park ready for open montage. It doesn't come back. It's not referenced. There are these things that are just like, look at how zany it is. Mm-hmm. And tonally doesn't make sense within the context of the movie that it's depicting either that's like the weird thing the movie does sort of rely on this police academy animal house Mm -hmm. style broad humor for like 15 minutes of the movie (laughs) and then the rest is like a fairly straight black comedy yeah and i think that like you can go a little broad a little bit and it can be used for emphasis but the way that they did it just feels out of place like they didn't know where they wanted to go with it and i think that that's a bummer because i thought the black comedy stuff the descent into madness the weird character actors jan hooks being a a receptionist who when somebody comments on her looks like how weird it is she's just like i always say like you can go natural (laughs) but why do it if you have the time is like like awesome (laughs) that's a really good line i did really like that i I mean i don't even know how necessarily to talk about this but at one point we're introduced to there's going to be a vip night at the park and that seems to just be a talent show like they're preparing for some sort of variety talent show that swanee river song that they sing i like looked into that what i didn't know is that song is called old folks at home yep that it was written by stephen foster for a black minstrel show it is a song about an ex-slave bemoaning how great life was on the old plantation yeah and it is still the state song of florida (gasps) (laughs) because the swan River is in Florida, even though Stephen Foster, when he was writing it, just chose Swanee River because he needed blank, blank river. He needed two syllables (laughs) river to fit the cadence of the song and thought taking Suwanee River and making it Swanee River, you know, it'd have a more sort of fluid motion to it and sound more, I don't know, like an ex-slave that this song is about. Uh, And then again, my brain goes to, is it because this is clearly a movie poking fun at Disney? The Florida State song is this old like minstrel show song. Oh, that's, you're putting way too much thought into that. (laughs) If it's a coincidence, it's a lot of coincidences. As always, 
ways I lean to all these choices are purposeful. Maybe not good, but purposeful. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. The best you can give movies from this time and how they deal with racial humor is that they are they're pointing it out. They're pointing it out a real thing that like Right, you put it on the porky scale. Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. On the on the <laughs> on the on the porky's metric. Like the best you can say about them is they're pointing out, look, there is a racial disparity. Ha ha ha. For me, the best part, and again, it like it, it's the Venn diagram that crosses with the subversive psychological stuff. I loved that at the end. Peter Pepperoni is not the voice that is like egging him on to kill. No. Peter Pepperoni is the one that's being like, "Help! This guy's a murderer!" <laughs> like, it's that stuff where this movie was really good. The stuff that for a movie that was written by like sketch comedians, the sketch comedy elements of this are very weak, whereas the subversive and character-based stuff is where it thrives. Like, everything that is a self-contained joke in this movie is a bummer, <laughs> to me at least. Okay, I just found okay. it to be very, like, even, what's the name of the aggro security <laughs> Darlene. Girl? Dorkner. Dorkner. <laughs> Darlene Dorkner. Oh, God. <laughs> I just, like, found her to be such a joke mechanism. If your whole characterization is going to be just joke delivery system, it's gotta hit more often than that. And I hate to be such a wet blanket on this movie. I know that's not normally how I feel, but something about this movie really didn't just the symphony didn't work. I mean, it feels to me like a mad magazine printed out into script form. Hmm. Totally like a, at best a little like, ha, 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 well, not the way I thought that sentence was going to end. <laughs> <laughs> David Lee Roth's school of rear projection. Come on now. <laughs> that is simply too much. <laughs> It is much more of a chuckler than a laugh riot. I was engaged enough in Bruce Berger's trajectory to keep me along for the ride. And even though the movie does have a lot of tangents, it isn't like an airplane where it's just like joke, 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 which is where it feels fractured. It feels like it needed to either make a few less or a bunch less one note jokes or a shitload more. Yeah. Controversial opinion. I don't like airplane. I don't like the parody joke delivery system movie I, I get really bored by it and so the moments when the movie took a left turn with a handful of exceptions were the parts I sort of zoned out but the movie was more competently made than I expected in a way that that I did find a lot of it to be charming again with the exception of the racist and homophobic humor that is sprinkled in there for the most part the movie felt very like they're like we got a budget let's make a movie <laughs> yeah, Let, yeah. let's put all of our friends in it and that's always going to win me over mm. yeah it has the underdog spirit of bruce of the like <laughs> regional mm. clown who wants to be more than he is and does sort of lose his way and turn his back on a life of finance but at the end of the day it all comes back to finances so yeah you know. like at the end of the day he ends up back where neil was at the beginning and that sort of like i think underlines a little bit what i was saying i don't think bruce Berger is a hero and yeah. i also yeah. don't think he was actually dissociating i think like a conspiracy theorist started to inhabit the mind yeah. of 
something beyond himself and like egged himself into being something. He can claim I went crazy and I was doing- He even does at the end. He said a clown can get away with murder. And also like, again, the fact that Neil is in finance and is very smug Mm -hmm. and is like a total ding dong and does have this sort of David Berkowitz, like, yes, I listened to the dog when he tells me to shoot. (laughs) Fully agree. Mike's kind of the hero. Mike is thrust into everything and trying to hold the park together. Even though like he doesn't get Bruce and even in the beginning he like tried having conversation with Angus. Is Bruce the best fit for Funland anymore? But like he's still his friend and tries to still keep him in his job. He's trying to keep teenagers paid above minimum wage which is like. (laughs) safe. He's trying to keep them in like safe working conditions. Like frankly like yeah Mike is the hero. (laughs) Though has seemingly never gotten a conscientiousness training on how to fire somebody because he whiffs. Yes. Completely. His firing of Bruce is a masterclass in how not to talk to somebody who you're like, this guy's probably on the edge. (laughs) This isn't easy for me. I know how you feel about the job. The DeMarles want you out. You're fired. I'm sorry. That felt the most honest to me. I feel like that's how I'd fire somebody. I'd be like, look, this isn't my decision. I'd make it very clear right at the front that, look, I love you. If I keep you on, if it was up to me. I feel like that's how I have fired someone before. (laughs) Oh, it's not me. It's up to the mobsters. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Go move into the abandoned wax museum. Let me make this clear at the forefront. You're great. And I love you. I love everything about you, but we are going to have to let you go. I thought they were going to fire him when they were bringing in other Bruce, but the fact that they they strung him along and gave him a new dressing room in the form of the abandoned wax museum had both clowns performing in the park at the same time, which is a big Disney no-no. Big no-no. That bothered me. You You cannot have two versions of the same character (laughs) in the park at the same time, especially when kids are talking to one and then you announce the other Real one. The real one is over here. You don't like have Mickey at the front of the park and then over the PA say, the real Mickey Mouse is at the back (laughs) in Toontown. No, no, it's National Mickey Mouse. Oh, the National. The regional Anaheim Mickey Mouse. Oh, boy. The moment when they got the architect in to discuss the plans for reworking the Wax Museum into the Celebrity Death and Disease is awesome. That was great. Celebrity Death and Disease. It's like a roller coaster ride through the Betty Ford Clinic. (laughs) The people ride through in these little hearses past the audio animadroid displays. This is Natalie Wood's rowboat. Then we have the king of rock and roll on his throne. They die every 30 seconds. I can move that up to 20 seconds if you needed to move the crowd through any faster. Nah, 30 seconds is fine. Good, good. Inside, we have uh, Jimmy Hoffa's body being dumped into the cement to make a bridge abutment in New Jersey. Philadelphia. The like Marley, I mean, the the Brando impression was interesting. But the Humphrey Bogart impression made me think that Humphrey Bogart was cast in this movie. (laughs) I'm glad we're talking about it because I am obsessed with Robert Sackey, who plays Humphrey Bogart and the father of the mob family. That's the same actor. What? Yeah. This makes so much more sense. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, okay. Look, Bruce, what I'm trying to say that the problems of three little people in your case, Bruce, Neil, and Peter don't amount to a hill of beans in this crazy world. 
Look, I'm not much at making speeches. But I know you gotta take what you can get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you would never take this. You never took this in any of your movies. That was back in the 40s when a guy can shoot a few people and make a difference in the world. Mm. But times have changed. I love him because he's so weird and he's had such an interesting career because he looks just like Humphrey Bogart Mm -hmm. and has made a career out of playing usually Humphrey Bogart. (laughs) He was in a movie in 1972 called The French Sex Murders, but he rose to prominence in 1980 with a movie called The Man with Bogart's Face. What? Incredible. (laughs) He has 24 credits, almost all of which is playing Humphrey Bogart. He is still alive today. He's 79. If you go to celebritytalent.net, you can book Robert Sackey, in parentheses, Humphrey Bogart lookalike, for between $7,500 and $14,999. Damn. It's such a wild thing to be born looking so much like Humphrey Bogart to just be like, all right, that's what I'm doing now. (laughs) (laughs) What I did think was a really good touch was the Neil Stickney intrigue. So when the movie begins, Bruce asks that his checks be changed so that they're made payable to Bruce and not to Neil Stickney, just in time for when the mobsters take over. And they're very confused about this mystery Neil Stickney, but they can't find his records. And like, he apparently worked here, but he doesn't have any more paychecks. And who is he? So like seeing that unfold around them while they're also like firing and belittling the man who they're trying to get the majority shares from, I thought was a really good piece of through line through the movie. And Mike does not let loose that he yeah. knows who Neil Stickney is. Nah, he loves which... watching them like tread water. <laughs> Mike's the real one. Yeah, Mike's the hero. Actually, there is one thing. Um, we need to locate Neil Stickney. Uh, who? Uh, Neil Stickney. He's a major stockholder in Funland. Hmm, I've never heard of him, but I will research the corporate records for you. Good. And uh, Kristen? Yes, Mr. Jamara. Do it quietly. I was wholly unprepared when we started podcasting about movies to talk about a movie that I felt nothing whatsoever <laughs> for. I feel unprepared Big now. Day. Do I fake it? Do I fake my interest in Funland for entertainment? No, we have to live our real selves. That's what the listeners come for. You know? And that's the message of Funland in the end, isn't it? Live your full self and become an accountant again, owning Funland and then pitching a, a roller coaster called the Nuclear Holocoaster for some reason. <laughs> that came out of nowhere. <laughs> Honestly, not a bad idea though, for an indoor roller coaster. I mean, you put nuclear in the name of any roller coaster, you're going to get people in line. Yeah. Considering very conveniently, Neil comes back at the end. This guy just gave up his identity to become Bruce Berger. Like, it was there in the wing to like take over when it was convenient. Mm -hmm. He plays up a psychological breakdown when convenient and then goes back to be Neil when he can like head a company. Sounds like capitalism, but you know. Uh, Yeah, that's it. That's what happened. That was the message. And also it was the subtext and the text. Uh, And I don't think his days as Bruce Berger are done either because as his off-screen conversation with Peter Pepperoni indicates, these different personalities still exist within him for whenever it's convenient. 
it is funny that Polly Pepperoni is not the dog telling the son of Sam to kill people. In fact, it's the other way around. It is the guy has to keep reminding the puppet, hey, we're crazy, by the way, and we're up for ourselves. And the puppet's like the voice of like, I don't know about this one, Brucey. The puppet in this case is the voice of reason. Yeah. Yeah, I do like that. I did like that at the end, Polly Pepperoni was trying to be like, help, there's a kill, he's got Like, it's him screaming to people about himself. That's pretty funny. First you mess with a computer in the clock tower. Now you steal Laurie's briefcase. Say, maybe you better put that away. Bruce, this is the last time I'm gonna say... You know, the national Bruce Berger is a person, too. And I I don't think the boys and girls will like it one bit if you blow him away. Then screw him. We think we're finally going into the carnage scene as depicted in the poster to the movie. Bruce has hacked the clock tower. Yeah, somehow. And for some reason, I, I don't really know why that was a part of his plan, to open up the park 30 minutes early. So crowds are being let Create in. confusion. Create confusion. Yeah. Uh, and he's up in the clock tower with the sniper gun that he has stolen somehow. But it's the gun that killed Angus. Angus. Bruce is trying to take aim and he's completely missing Chad, the real, not real, the, the national. Imposter. Ah, the imposter to the throne. The burger pizza throne. One of the Demeros hears the gunshot and recognizes it as Larry's gun. Specifically Larry's gun. (laughs) Where was it again? What? The gunfire. It's gotta be your gun. Where? It's coming from right up there. Oh Christ. Is that Dan? He's mine. Larry and Bruce like have a tussle and he hits the coaster control panel which then like runs amok and the gun goes off killing Larry and then Mike is drinking alone watching a news report that's giving us exposition about Bruce's heroic act. Yeah, despite all evidence being to the contrary, somehow the news and the police piece together that this was a crime family and he was a murderer and he killed Angus and the clown saved the day. And I don't think any of the evidence would actually tell you that. It looks to me like a clown shot him. It's pretty incriminating. (laughs) And and the fact that he's on a clock tower with a sniper rifle. With a sniper rifle. like. Well, it was Larry's briefcase and gun, so maybe the news and the authorities assumed that Larry Harry was up there to shoot people, and Bruce went up there to stop I think stop that's what him. Bruce tells him. Uh, A dead man tell no tales, unless it's Angus. Right. <laughs> in the police work in this movie, if somebody tells you that something happened a certain way, you just believe them. And the movie does end, like Greg said, like a wet fart. Mike walks away with the lost, abandoned child, and they just sing the Funland theme song. Papa, please take me to Funland. I want to stay until dark. It's the original, great, all-American, old-fashioned family-themed park. Which hasn't been in the movie. No, no it's not never. In the movie. It's not even the opening that song. That wasn't set up. Like the opening song is something completely different. This is never established. And he doesn't just walk away. He walks away from Funland. Like uh, yes. Neil is says, I found your letter of resignation, which was meant for the, the Demaros. And he was like, I can't accept it. You have to keep working here. And Mike's like, nah. 
happening. No, I'm not interested in whatever this is anymore. And Mike, our hero, leaves Funland to the machinations of the mad clown. No. The clown prince of crime. Which maybe in the sequel, he kills a lot more people, but that doesn't exist. So we can only imagine. Yeah, the sequel, Batman. <laughs> It does have a certain hopelessness to it that I can't believe I didn't vibe with more. <laughs> After this death has occurred on the grounds of Funland, sure, it was Lawrence Damaro, a villainous Italian, who gets killed. <laughs> to everyone else, there's been a shooting at the amusement park. Someone is dead. Who knows what happened to Murph the Surf? Maybe still trapped on the roller coaster. <laughs> the man who is truly mentally unsound comes out on top, and all. All the like other characters we met just use it towards self-interest. Doug like gets on the news is like, yeah, that lady I've been trying to bone this whole time. We're gonna keep boning, right, lady? And she's like, stop it. <laughs> and then fucking it's Pat. I don't what again. I don't know what the security guard's name is. Fucking Pat is like, I actually did the best security job. And she shoots the cameraman. The guy run on the news changes from live to live, not for long. That was pretty good. <laughs> no matter what happens in this universe, doesn't matter how monstrous the act of violence that occurs at Funland, or someone has a like serious disassociative breakdown where they don't even believe they are themselves anymore and have to communicate either as their alternate clown identity identity or through a phallic and upsetting puppet upsetting hilarious <laughs> no one in this movie gives a single shit about another person in this movie the only person who does is mike who has been shown to have zero place in this corporate entertainment ladder there's the horror sticker the horror <laughs> was not in gore the horror was in destruction of all that is good that is capitalism and not for nothing there are kkk members walking around this park. I don't know if anyone <laughs> yes. caught that. What the fuck? Yes. What was up with that? Yeah, they never came They're back. just in the background of a shot, and I was viscerally scared. <laughs> is it weird that it, it took me until we discussed this to think of the fact that, like, his name is Bruce Berger because of Ronald McDonald? I just didn't think about it. Oh, you know what? I didn't think about it either. <laughs> uh, really? I don't think this movie was hiding. Like, I would have given it a pass except for the fact that he looks quite a lot like Ronald McDonald. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I thought that was pretty purpose. Uh, not, oh, obvious is what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm just one of those people where it's like it took me literal years after seeing Monty Python and the Holy Grail to get the Knigget joke. <laughs> I was in gym class walking back from the field. I went, oh, my God. <laughs> I feel like this movie's desire to skewer McDonald's and Disney and all sort of like large corporate entities is on like right on the no right. On the big red nose. <laughs> yeah, they're not being shy about that. And that is honestly what saves this movie because it is only our sort of cultural understanding of Disney and McDonald's as these bloodthirsty corporate entities. And it is only through that lens that this movie means anything at all. Otherwise, it is just some funny scenes in an amusement park. I don't know what else to say about Funland. Did you have fun? <laughs> He didn't. No. <laughs> no. I had fun. No refunds. <laughs>
Mama, I just watched Funland. <laughs> to get through it was hard. But Greg also watched the movie Funland. And then he wrote the ripoff report card. <laughs> <laughs> The Funland Ripoff Report Card is brought to you by the Johnny Cochran School of Poster Design. If you don't know how to sell a movie, create something that'll just confuse your audience. Enrollment for Future Kill 101 starts today. In order to understand Funland, it's important to understand the forces at play. Bruce Berger is Funland's resident clown. His double role as Neil, the former partner and accountant, actually has roots to the idea of ancient clowns. Clowns appeared as far back as the 5th dynasty in Egypt, but were also central to the first people tribes as well. In ancient societies, the roles of priest and clown were often held by the same person. And what is America's religion? Well, money, of course. (laughs) Through the centuries, and despite my persistent letter-writing campaign, the clown has persisted. (laughs) (laughs) Changing forms over time. Clowns were featured in Shakespeare and the Italian Commedia dell'arte, where clowns were shown as country bumpkin types. So National Bruce really just made a lateral move from Shakespeare to clown. The term clown itself was first recorded in 1560 as clown with an E or cloin, which meant rustic, boar, or peasant. A clown was different from, say, a court jester and later a harlequin, despite the sands of time pushing them together like a frightening nightmare sandwich. (laughs) The clown became a stock character in the 1600s and was dressed in commoner or servant's clothes, and the circus clown was developed in the 1800s in England for London's riding school. Tom Byling Sr. played the red clown, which begat the image of the modern clown, which was actually based on a hobo character. Think about it. Red nose, white face, ill-fitting clothes. Mm. The term zany was derived from Zani of Commedia dell'arte, a character type of which clown is one. Zani was known as, quote, dispossessed immigrant worker from the countryside. This persisted until recently. When Bozo the Clown premiered The Bozo Show in 1960 and McDonald's remodeled Ronald after him in the same decade that really cemented the modern clown type. The 60s and 70s gave birth to the modern birthday party clown and thus many scarred children and damaged kidneys. (laughs) After 20 or so years at the top, clowns started to creep into media as the villains they truly were. Terror on Tour, a rock and roll horror hybrid that featured the Kiss-like The Clowns, a shock rock group whose groupies were mysteriously dying off. It hit the bookstands in 1986 and televisions in 1990. Clowns became social satire in 1973's avant comedy Let's Visit the World of the Future, as well as Bobcat Goldthwaite's Shakes the Clown. <laughs> and in that rich tradition sits Funland. So remember, when you watch Funland, that there are literally hundreds and hundreds of years of, quote, tradition that got you to the iconic image <laughs> of the clown on a clock tower, trying to shoot another clown on a roller coaster. (laughs) Art, my friends, is weird. (laughs) And that is the Funland Ripoff Report.
Mama, don't make me watch Funland. It's less funny when they really tried. Because when we watched Funland's jokes, they didn't make me laugh, just cry. Everybody, are we all clowned out or what? We just watched Funland. What could be on the fun test? What are we walking away from this Kentucky Joker-fied movie with? Well, I'm going to go bite the big one and make myself a pizza burger. Oh, yum. Sounds delicious, honestly. Even though I will say I did like this movie, I thought that it could have gone a little bit more... Uh, how did the amusement park folks say it? Off the rails? Pause for laughter. Ooh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> how about another joke? What do you get when you cross sketch comedy screenwriters just starting out, a clearly over it TV star as crazy clown trope, some lazy, racist, and gay-coded jokes, and a poster designed to trick you? You get the movie you fucking deserve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my final thought, uh, it's kind of like a bummer, but it's what I took away the most when I did some Googling after this movie. So David Outlander, who played our Bruce Berger, also famously known as Squiggy from Laverne and Shirley. So he has a rich comedic history. He died on my birthday this year. Oh, no. That's it. No further facts. Just like I saw my birthday 2020 and was like, oh, wow, okay. Uh, and I really started thinking about existentialism and mortality and the tears of a clown, and that's what I'm sitting with. RIP to a real one. I guess with the most respect, we should send off Squiggy the right way. RIP, Dave Lander. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> RIP, Squiggy. Thanks so much to our teacher, Philip Marlowe, Seth Applebaum of Ghost Funk Orchestra, and Gabriella Tessitore of Scout Harris for our theme music, Justin Ferraro of the Rizzos for Ben Music, and Shear for our logo, Kevin McLeod of Incompetech for additional music, and the entire Video High crew, Greg Hansen, Jamie Kennedy, Casey Regan, and me, Josh Roth. Next time, we take a field trip to the Outback where anything can kill you, even magic rocks. Stones of Death! Listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, I had to see it by myself before I convinced Josh to see it with me again. <laughs> no, see what, Jamie? It. What? It. The. God damn it. Third <laughs> <laughs> base. Uh, 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 in your ear. Podcast Network.